Hello there, you're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We're also going to do a writer's analysis on one of the most exciting filmmakers working today, Jordan Peele. And to help us do that, we are bringing on actor, filmmaker, and horror buff, Hunter Ramanillis. Thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks for bringing me in. We're glad to have you. start off with some news first of all this is coming out of the comic-con the whole marvel announcements thing that we weren't able to get to a lot of stuff came out but one thing one major thing that came out about the most upcoming project black panther wakanda forever the trailer what do you guys think um i think the trailer it kind of like blew me away i'm not gonna lie in terms of where my expectations were Mm mm-hmm um, in a lot of ways, it already just looks like a step up from the first one visually, the special mm-hmm. effects already, but just the whole vibe of the trailer for me hit the nail right on the head. And it was exactly kind of what I want right now. What do you think? Well, I know Ryan knows this, but <laughs> I've, I've become a little oversaturated with the, the superhero genre. Marvel mm-hmm. specifically, I haven't been too satisfied with anything they've done recently. So I didn't have a lot of expectations going into the trailer, which may have helped the trailer. Maybe like that that might have been a benefit for it, is that I didn't have a high expectation. So I actually I really liked it. I think it'll be better than I thought it would. Or it'll be exactly what I expected it to be. But I don't think it'll be a disappointment, which is a good thing. Because I'm kind of on the same page, yeah. It's been a it's been a long time since I haven't been disappointed. That's <laughs> so sad. I think this one will go far beyond your expectations. I was really amazed at the trailer. I thought it, it looks was so good. good. It does look good. Like the way they framed it. I mean, they're leaning into the whole idea of this being this tribute to Chadwick Boseman and to the T'Challa character. So I love that they're going that route and they're going to like bring that up in the marketing. I think that's great to do. And also just the choices they made in the trailer, like going from the song, No Woman, No Cry, to going into All Right. So then going into the actual score that they're going to have, like that stuff was great. And the way it all built to that final image of uh, the new Black Panther, whoever that's going to be, which I also hope they try and keep that a mystery. Like let that be something that in the film, there's like multiple possibilities and we're going to try and see who ends up taking that mantle. Um, so yeah, I was I was surprised, beautifully surprised. You know why I think it looked so good compared to our expectations because mm. it has to be good it it has to be um the thing with a lot of the marvel projects lately is since they're introducing a lot of new characters and all the new multiverse themes the stakes are kind of low in terms of quality mm. but if they mess up black panther 2 the blowback is going to be insane especially with the whole ja- uh, chadwick boseman situation yeah they can't they can't like fumble that so I think they had to have like paid a particular focus to that being a little more of a traditional film, I guess, having yeah. more solid character drama. And I hope that like translates to 
Right. That's a great yeah, point. I and yeah, I think everyone's going to put, or everyone did put as they were making it, their heart and soul into it because they knew like this is going to be for Chadwick Boseman. We're going to dedicate mm-hmm. this to him. So we have to give it our all. It has to be great. So yeah. And Ryan Coogler, the man's a beast. So yeah, he knows how to make a movie. Yeah. He certainly does. So yeah. I think though, honestly, it'll do quite well. And so that brings me to the rest of the Comic-Con announcements. So they gave a picture of their next few phases. They released some things all the way for phase six in like 2025 and 2026. So I'm going to go through each one of the ones that have a release date. And I want you guys to respond with whether or not you don't care, are curious, or are excited. Hunter, you can opt out if you don't want to mention any of it. But Dylan, I'm going to be interested to see which ones go beyond don't care for you. Yeah. Because I'm expecting that to be like the overwhelming majority. Um, but so first off, Wakanda Forever coming out later this year. How are you feeling, Dylan? Don't care? Curious, curious. or excited? Definitely curious. curious. I'm I'm still trying to temper my expectations after the trailer, so I'm not going to say excited quite yet, but I will say curious. Very curious to see how they do it. Gotcha. I have... I'm up in and say excited for that one. Excited? Nice. I... Yeah, I mean, trust me, there's nobody that would have been more weary about expectations because of everything with how that production's been like dragged out. Mm-hmm. But I was very happy, and I'm just going to be optimistic for a change. <laughs> All right. Yeah, me too. Even though this is part of your box office draft, Dylan. Yeah. So it'd be it'd work in my favor if it turned out not to be great. But I think it will be great, and I think it will capture something similar. Not quite the same heights as the original Black Panther did, but I think it'll still like be a true event. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm excited. I'm excited. Next, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. I'll say curious. He's curious. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I love Paul Rudd. I love I even though the second Ant Man's not very good, really, I still had a lot of fun watching it. So I'll at least have fun watching this movie in a way that I haven't had fun watching a Marvel thing in a long time. And also I I'm interested to see what they do with Kang. So I'll say curious. Gotcha. Is Kang the antagonist? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. So yeah, for that reason, I'm curious because that's going to play into, as we'll get to later, it's going to play into the larger long-term plans for these next few phases. So I'm curious. I'll definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we have Secret Invasion. So that would be a Disney Plus show, not a movie. Don't care? Don't curious care. or excited, Dylan? Oh, he doesn't care. Don't care. Not even Secret Samuel Jack? Nah, man. Nick Don't Fury? Care. Nah, man. I'm not interested in... It's the scrolls, right? Am I wrong in saying that? Uh, yes. From, from Captain Marvel? Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Tragic. I'm probably I, not even going to watch it. I'm curious for that one. Again, I do like the scrolls. I like that whole thing. In fact, do you guys remember the Earth's Mightiest Heroes, that Avengers show way back when? No. Dang. When, when did that come out? It was before the Avengers 2012, the film, came out. It was like around that time. I'm blanking. No. 2010. But that Bro, one... Bro, I was watching Spongebob and shit then. Are you kidding me? Really? I was <laughs> watching... In Eddie days. Yeah, Eddie and Eddie. There we go. I mean, I was watching that, but also Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes. That one had good had a good Scrolls arc. So, I don't know. I'm pretty excited for it. With uh, Samuel L. Jackson as well. This one, I expect, we'll get some excitement for. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. 
excited. Did you see the costumes for it? Like the leaked set photos? No. No, I was saw that a for bit the of... Christmas special or was I that sure for so. Guardians 3? Let me look at them up. Let me see. Because I completely I... forgot they also had the Christmas special coming yeah. out. I'm very excited for the Christmas special. <laughs> well, it had the it traditional year, like comic right? uh, costumes for the Guardians. Yeah, that'd be cool. And I think it is coming out this year, the holiday special, or maybe yeah, it comes out have to do this 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 December. But did you see the? Uh... Oh yeah, I see the costumes. It's pretty cool. The thing is, there's always a quality standard with James Gunn. Yeah, like for sure. Even if it's not your forte, I I can't see it being like bad. <laughs> yeah. These costumes are cool. Did you see the leaked trailer from Comic Con? They leaked. Someone recorded the Guardians 3 trailer. I saw a little bit of it. And good? yeah, it seems pretty cool. I mean, part of it is just replaying. Uh, I mean, do you care if I spoil the trailer or do you want to wait for it? I want to wait for it. All right, then I won't say anything. But they do show old clips from the earlier movies is, is the bulk of what I saw in the trailer. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, how about Echo, a Disney Plus series? Don't care. <laughs> You see, I'm I'm mixed because I read for it. So part of me is like, oh. a part of me is like, yeah, I can't wait. But then a part of me is like, man. Right. There was uh, the creator of that show is someone who is a writer on Better Call Saul. Really? So that's partially why I'm curious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, wait, which person? Uh, it was Marion something. Let me look at oh. real quick. Yeah, I know who that is. She's written a couple Richardson? of like great episodes. No, 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 no. I looked up Echo Creator and it gave me Amazon Echo. <laughs> that uh, makes sense. Yeah, I I'm still gonna say don't care, but I'm gonna go in between don't care and curious and say we'll keep an eye out. Marion Dayer. I will I will keep an eye out. Yeah, that was a person. Let me see what episode she had written. Um, but yeah, after that is Loki season two. Dylan, you excited. enjoyed Loki. You are excited. Yeah, okay, I'll say nice. excited. I really like the first season of Loki. I'll actually watch Loki season two. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, yeah, she wrote the season finale for episode 10. For, for episode, well, episode 10. Episode 10 is the season finale yeah. for season two. For season two? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a really good that's episode. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, next is the Marvels. Don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm also gonna give a don't care for that. Yeah. Um, Let's do speed fire. Hit hit him at me quick. Iron heart. Don't care. <laughs> Blade. Curious. It's Marshall curious. Ali. Come on. I'm excited for that one. Marshall is um, the the reason I'm yeah. excited for that one. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, I'll be curious. Agatha, Coven of Chaos. Don't care. Daredevil, Born Again. Curious. I never watched the original yeah, Daredevil series, yeah. but I know it's good. And really? I'm interested to see Charlie Charlie Cox, is that his name? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'm excited to see Charlie Cox come back. So I'll say curious. Gotcha. I don't care because I also haven't seen Daredevil. That I mean, was like my favorite show when it came out. That show was amazing. I've like seen like the, the first five episodes, and those episodes are great. <laughs> the first five. <laughs> but he didn't continue. I didn't. Uh, how about Captain America, New World Order? curious i guess i'll say curious because it's not that i don't care i just i don't even know if i'll even watch it what is that like 2024 2025 at this point 2024 yeah yeah i'll say curious for now i'm excited for it i'm interested to see where they go with it 
I haven't said yeah, but it's not Captain America and the White Wolf. That's true. That should have been the name. That should have been the title. Yeah. What a letdown. <laughs> yeah, because apparently New World Order New World Order was the first episode title for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So they should use that again. They should have just had Captain America and the White Wolf. Come on. Just like how they reuse Captain America and the Winter Soldier at the end of the credits. <laughs> exactly. They should keep reusing the same things they've always done. They don't do anything different. That's crazy. Keep Thunderbolts. Which is going to have care. all the like villains. The Marvel Suicide Squad. Yeah, I don't care either. Don't care. Uh, Fantastic Four. Curious, because I've always wanted to see it done well. And I don't know if they can do it, but I'm curious. I'm also curious. We'll see in a few months. I think at D23, they're going to announce the uh, whoever's going to be in the cast. Nice. Uh, Avengers The Kang Dynasty in 2025, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, who did Shang-Chi. I, I really hate the name. I really the hate Kang the title. Dynasty? Yeah, I don't like it that much. I think it's good. What are you talking about? I'm not I hate a fan the, of that title. I hate the title for Secret Wars because it's dumb and it makes no sense. Even in the comics, both is, times didn't make sense. You know, like, well, I have no idea what Secret Wars even is, but Kang Dynasty, I just yeah i don't like the sound of it it seems so clunky but i guess i'll say curious for both of the those avengers movies because it's the avengers you know i like all the avengers movies even even the what is it age of ultron age of ultron even age of ultron i like a little bit you know they come out the same year right they do that's oh, really also insane to me that's a little that's way too much in six months getting two avengers films back to back that's a little much i think they is the second have... one gonna be destin daniel cretton too no apparently they're gonna have them be different directors weird which yeah also seems strange like how they're gonna overlap the productions and do that sort of stuff i don't know seems like an odd it'd be easier if they about. just let them do both at that point i mean if you're gonna have two directors very true it's gonna be complicated so yeah that is the marvel slate of course there are other things like deadpool 3 the new mm. Spider-Man movies if Tom Holland ever gets the contract back. Yep. If that gets sorted out. So, yeah, a bunch of uh, untitled releases as well. But those are all the named ones. So there you go. Honestly, more curious and excited than I thought we were going to get out of you, Dylan. I'm going to agree with that. I, I didn't think I'd say it that much. All right. And then finally. going to be a lot of, lot of don't cares. And then finally, an update to the Oscars slap. <laughs> Earlier today, Will Smith, he put out a video on his YouTube channel addressing it it was like a four minute video and he apologized to chris rock he explained why he didn't apologize during the speech he was like it was, i was in a fog he said that jada did not say anything to him that made him go up so he cleared up that theory that was going out there and then he basically said he was saddened that he ruined a bunch of people's uh impression that they had of him and he only wants to put love out into the world, so he's gonna moving forward be dedicated to doing that. So it was like a good video. Go. Yeah, it was on. So he has addressed it. He and Chris Rock haven't talked it out yet. Chris Rock has been reached out to, but he says it's not time yet. So at the moment, that is where the situation is. Crazy. Interesting. Stuff. Yeah. Now we can do our. Real quick, the box office breakdown for July 22nd of the 24th. Coming in first, un like of course, Nope with $44 million. It is the biggest opening for an original film since Jordan Peele's second movie, Us. So he's done it again. <laughs> he sure did. Thor Love and Thunder coming in second place with $22 million. It has now crossed $600 million worldwide. Nice. 
After that is Minions Rise of Gru with 18 million, which has crossed 640 million worldwide. Mm, but Thor is going to overtake it, I'm telling you. Right, we'll see. Close. Where the Crawdad Sings with 10 million, a solid 40% drop from last weekend. Top Gun Maverick, 10 million. It, that is the ninth week, is it in the top five? That's nuts. Good for them. Crazy. Elvis with 6.5 million, also having really good holds. Pause of Fury with 3.8 million. The Black Phone, 3.5 million. Jurassic World Dominion, 3.1 million. And Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, rounding it out with 1.4 million. So it's another weekend where all 10 of the films in the top 10, they had over 1 million. So that's great. That is great. People are going back to the theaters again. It's good. I'd love to see it. Indeed. And of course, our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend, July 29th, that weekend. That is today that we're recording this. The big movie coming out this weekend is DC League of Super Pets. What do you think, Ryan? I think 20 to 25 million. I agree. <laughs> at, at the most. I agree at the most. Do you want to throw out a prediction, Hunter? Are you going to go contribute to the box office gross? I can't <laughs> wait till it shatters your expectations and gets 40 million. Bro. <laughs> that would be it gets, wild. <laughs> just gets $80 million. It just goes crazy. It gets more than Lightyear. That would be, uh, that would be horrible for me. Probably deserves more than Lightyear. <laughs> How dare you? You well, saw Lightyear it twice, like, didn't you? I did see it twice, and I didn't like it that much either time. Yeah, that was fine. Hunter, did you see it? What did you think of the Inside Out sandwiches? Of what? Did you did see Lightyear? I did not. Oh, oh man. I never ended up seeing it. It's what do you think of the, the concept of a sandwich that is meat, bread, meat, instead of bread, meat, bread? <laughs> Figuring that that's a reference from the movie, I think that tells me all I need to know about the movie. It's true. It's very true. It just seems wet, doesn't it? Just a very wet sandwich. Just imagine when you set it down on the table for whatever reason, instead of having a plate, just the glistening redness, yeah. the meat sweat pulling just off. Just slipping around on the table. It's terrifying. Just just gross. When you pick yeah. it up, it leaves a little bit of condensed meat liquid on the table. Yeah, how tempting! Yeah, makes me want a sandwich. Very appetizing. Uh, okay, so let us now get into our discussion of Jordan Peele. So his biography. So you all know this man from a little kid. He did want to do filmmaking, but when he got into college, he ended up going into it for puppetry, which is wild. Huh. And then he took a crazy left turn into doing comedy. So he took a comedy class, got interested in that. He left school to pursue that full time. He ended up doing improv theater with a company called, a troupe called Boom Chicago. And he did this in Amsterdam, which is pretty funny. That Boom Chicago, they, pretty cool. they were spread out enough to go into Amsterdam. And then he met Keegan-Michael Key in 2002. But did they do anything notable, Ryan? Uh, well, they certainly did. We'll get to that in a second. You know, you might recognize those names, but maybe they sound the familiar. Two, yeah. In the 2000s, they were on Mad TV, the sketch comedy show, and Peel stayed until 2008. I don't really know what they did in between then. But in 2012, Keegan-Michael Key partnered up with Jordan Peel. They joined forces yet again to create the sketch comedy show Key and Peel. Oh, that's right. That's where I've heard it from. Mm. Key and Peel. It's a very niche show. Yeah. Yeah. 
totally. might not have heard of it, but yeah. uh, kind of underground. Un- yeah, <laughs> exactly. So they did that for a few years until 2015. Then after that, they both starred in a film, Keanu, which was co-written by Jordan Peele. And then the year after that, Get Out was released and he changed the game for horror for himself forever. He became solidified instantly as one of the top genre filmmakers. He won an Oscar for Get Out for for original screenplay, which Mm -hmm. is crazy for that to be his debut, solo debut screenplay. Uh, And then, of course, he made Us and Nope. He has also created a few television shows like the Twilight Zone revival and The Last OG starring Tracy Morgan. So yeah, he has had quite a an interesting career going from puppetry to comedy to now horror filmmaking. What an amazing journey. Yeah. Now we can talk a little bit about Jordan Peele's style as a writer, mostly focusing on his three movies, of course. He is very like very high conceptual. He very much thinks out of these very crazy scripts, these very out of world things that you don't see a lot. And that's why his films are so original and so interesting because they're very new and dynamic. He makes his films mostly about human nature and what's inside of us, because that's what scares him the most, what humans are capable of, what our minds are capable of. And a lot of his films also focus on the topic of race, specifically get out, especially, uh, he says that it's he makes it about race because it's impossible not to make it about race because race is all around us. Something we need to address and talk about not only in our culture but in filmmaking in general in a larger scheme. That's a great thing to point out. He definitely is very conscious about like social issues, things like that, and so he puts that into his films, which I love that they always had a, a thematic core to them because, as you know, Dylan certainly knows I'm all about theme. Uh, And so that's great. That's a major aspect of his films. He also, going to that point about race, he's been very open about the fact that he has casted and will continue to cast black leads in all of his projects. He wants to continue to drive forward representation. So that's also a big important part of uh, how he does his filmmaking. He also, there's this question that he has um, that he always asks himself as he's in the process of writing a film in order to just keep him driving forward, keep him getting to new and exciting places with the screenplays that he's trying to create. And he says, what's my favorite movie that hasn't been made? And so that's what he's basically going for. He's trying to create this new favorite film and it's him that's coming up with it and making it. So I think that's, that's an interesting route that he goes in with his writing process. So yeah, that is some basics of a style that I picked up. Anything else like Hunter about his style generally that you've noticed or any parts of that style we talked about that like really connects with you? I feel like what fascinates me the most about Jordan Peele as a genre filmmaker is he kind of came out of left field, like because he started Mm. with comedy and then he just swung into horror. But what's craziest about it is he introduced kind of a new type of horror. Mm. It was it was a horror filmmaking that nobody really recognized. Nobody was used to. It was all high concept, you know, person of color casting and all the like tonal differences, like starting with get out. All three of those things came out of the gate swinging. And I feel like people didn't really know how to like respond to it initially. 
they didn't know exactly what they were watching. They just knew there was something like engaging that they were being introduced to. That's why like it, it won a Golden Globe for like best comedy, didn't it? Get out yeah. in 2017. Oh, is I that think true? That's right. Yeah, it, it won best comedy because I think people saw it and they realized that they were they were watching some kind of new wave quality of horror filmmaking, but it was so almost outlandish to what was traditional that they knew it it, it deserved some merit, but not exactly how to place it. But right. what's crazy is that he's been able to kind of like top that with every movie that he's done. He's like, he's three movies in now and each one has had the same reaction. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird consistency of being surprising. And it's because they're all original. And I love that. That is super cool. Yeah, he's pointed out that at least for now, he said, yeah, I'm not going to work with any franchise stuff or any other IP. I'm just going to keep working on creating my own stuff. And yeah, as we pointed out in the box office recap with Nope, that made 40 something million. Us and its opening made like 70 or 80 something million. And I was just driven off of his name of like, this is another Jordan Peele project, which is like levels of like Christopher Nolan and Spielberg, like Mm -hmm. going for the name of the director instead of like this crazy actor or this crazy franchise that it's a part Mm -hmm. of. So that's like super impressive. And as you pointed out, yeah, that's funny. Golden Globe, they won for comedy. Um, and then it was nominated for Best Picture in the Oscars. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a horror film, but there's a lot of really funny elements to it. It's obviously got a lot of aspects of thriller and mystery. So he he is really good at being able to bend genres. And we'll talk about that with Nope as well. Because mm-hmm. uh, I really don't see that as a horror film at all, really. Yeah. Um, it's definitely more like a sci-fi, sci-fi film in a thriller film um but yeah the way he's able to balance out those different tones making you laugh making you scared making you tense is really quite impressive um so yeah all right let's get into get out 2017 is when it came out Uh, of course this is a film that he won that oscar for took the world by storm made over like 275 million i think worldwide Mm -hmm. on a four million budget it was was huge huge. the new evil dead in terms oh, of yeah. blowing up from a small scale. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, so I, before this week, had never seen Get Out. Really? Yeah. It took you that long? It That's did. crazy. So you saw Us first? I did. I saw Us first. We'll talk about it when you get there, but Dylan is the reason I saw Us, because he had seen it, and then he was raving about it, and so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go see that. And even back then, <laughs> when I brought that up, I was like, hey, I never saw Get Out. You had the same reaction, Dylan. You're like, what? How good I, then, I figured you had seen it by now. This has been like two years since we talked about that. I know. Uh, but I was always, I guess, anticipating, oh, I'll watch it around the time his new film comes out. Um, so this is my first experience with it. You two, you caught it back in 2017 when it was blown up? You'd... I think I watched it in 2018. I saw it in 2017 when it kind of hit the world by storm. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, what are... So I'm a lot more fresh than you guys. Um, but... Certainly, it's a this is a type of film that leaves an impression on you. So, looking Certainly. back, what are your takeaways from it? What's your like initial impressions? It's just such a well crafted screenplay. Everything is just so thought out meticulously that it's it's just so well planned. But at the same time, it feels so natural. Like everything is happening very smoothly, and everything can happen like concisely. So it's like he crafted. He crafted. I combined the words created and crafted. He crafted 
this con- this concept of like not only thinking out this very high concept idea that is very specific and very complicated to explain, but then also taking the time to reveal it naturally, which is something he does a lot in his movies. Is he really takes his time with a lot of different things to really just reveal this plot that he's created so that it's not overwhelming in information and so that you can also focus on the characters and have the plot be secondary secondary until it needs to be primary. So I thought it was just so neat watching just such a well-crafted screenplay that it was also so naturalistic. Like, just the com- combination of those two was just so surreal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about kind of a balance that he struck. Because it's his first feature film debut as writer-director, and it's a new genre for him. But he was able to perfectly balance this high-concept original creation, but also with a very solid technical craft. Nothing about it felt too overwhelming one way or another. And I I think that's why it landed so well, because people hadn't received that in a long time. And it really... It hit and it became pop culture because of that. Mm-hmm. For everyone to be able to say, hey, here's a conversation about a film that's highly original, but also relevant. And for it to be backed up with such good creative intuition, because he didn't have, he had plenty of experience. He had like 20 years of experience, pretty much. But in terms of being a horror filmmaker, he didn't have a lot of experience to back it up. He just had this really strong uh, intuition yeah for sure so yeah as you said dylan the the way that he was able to have such a meticulously graded screenplay i think that's a major part of it like the mystery that is established there mm-hmm. you are sucked into it weird things are going on but it's one of those ways where because sometimes when things are weird and they're going on and they feel like just random sometimes you get lost you aren't that interested this was a case where weird things are going on and you were absolutely sucked in. You want to figure out what's going on. You want to get to the mm-hmm. bottom of it. So, yeah, in terms of that, it was really well done in crafting this, in crafting this mystery uh, that sucks you in, wants you, keeps you wanting to question more and find out more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, Hunter, the, the way that his creative intuition, for sure, I mean, he has a big love of horror films. Um, apparently as a kid, he went to like the universe a lot and was looking at all the old like sets and whatnot from the big horror classics. So he always had that love for the genre and being able to come into it with all of that knowledge, all of that understanding of it, I think definitely helped him be able to make this so successful again for like a debut. This is a monumental achievement of it being so well done. Um, and then, yeah, also incredibly relevant he has also talked about in interviews how this was sort of a response to how things were getting post-racial in the Obama era. So where people were thinking, oh, if you bring up race at all, then that is somehow racist or something along those lines. And where people just wanted to drop the idea of race at all and be completely colorblind. Um, and so he was sort of responding to that idea. Um, and that, I think, is an, another interesting setup for this premise. Like the antagonists that we have here like on the surface they're not like they're not wearing clan hoods or anything they're not neo-nazis anything like that they are on the surface meant to be this like happy regular Mm -hmm. nuclear family white liberal family and yet 
there's something sinister <laughs> underneath there. And of course, because it is, a, it is a horror film, you know that something like sinister is going to end up happening. And I think it's funny that every single time that the family, they try to like reassure Chris in some way by pointing out, like for instance, when he's pointing out that, oh, it's a white family with black servants, with the groundskeeper mm -hmm. and then Georgina. And he's like openly pointing that out and he's like, oh, that's kind of weird, huh? And so these things that they're doing that you think would be like, oh, how race conscious, something like that, like, oh, trying to put him at ease, every single like slightly racial tinted comment that they make mm -hmm. is tense because, you know, something something weird's going on. So every time they make a reference to it, it just gets a little little bit scarier. So I love the way that was set up as well. And I think that feeds into the whole the idea of things being creepy, things being unordinary here and we don't know exactly why but we're hooked we want to figure out why um so yeah i think that that's great so what are some of the other major things that you guys loved about this film um i mean point out like the tight writing everything has these set up and reveals mm -hmm. uh like these clues that are sprinkled out and that i know this is like a film that i think second viewings and third viewings would be great for because I feel like I caught a lot on the first go, but there's like, yeah. I know, I know there's so much that I'm missing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, based on, you definitely need to watch more and more. Yeah. I think the thing that makes it so exciting to watch is that he's constantly raising questions and answering them throughout the movie. But every time he answers a question, a new one gets raised until you get to that last like 10 or 15 minutes. And then it's like just a barrage of answers to every question you've had so far until boom, he just ends it. And so like you get everything, everything is solved, everything is perfectly satisfying, but you don't get that until the very, very end. Like you're constantly wondering what is going on at any point in the movie. It just seems keeps getting crazier and crazier. And it's because he puts us in Chris's perspective. We're learning information as Chris learns information, and that makes it more exciting. It's a very like horror thing to do to put the perspective on the protagonist, because now you're experiencing everything in real time. And I think it works very strongly in this film. And I just love it. That's true. I also think another strength of the film is because with horror films, especially mm. like a, a little piece of why I don't like them a lot of the times is because mm. you're like, this character is doing all the wrong things. No one in the right mind would be doing those things. And in some cases, like especially with a lot more of the like cheesy ones, I'm okay with that because it's like, okay, buy into the fun of this just needs to happen for the shenanigans to go on is the characters need to make some stupid decisions. Mm -hmm. And this one, I mean, they set up really well of why he can't just immediately get out and flake because he's isolated in this lake house um, and his, the only car is his girlfriend's. Uh, and so he would need to like leave with her. Um, and so he'd have to convince her of that. So they give us a good reason for why he's able to just bail right off the bat when things start getting weird. But then they also have him being very like inquisitive, always like being on edge about what's going on. So he knows things are weird. He's freaked out by them. And he's like getting reassured in ways that are believable of like, oh, it's just, oh, they're being silly or oh, they're being stupid or, oh, my dad's a neurosurgeon. So the guy that freaked out on you and we're saying it's a seizure and you know it's not a seizure, but no, maybe it was just some weird event, but I trust my dad. Um, like that stuff, I think, was a great way to keep us buying into the fact of, okay, this is why the situation is still playing out. It felt mm -hmm. very believable. And then you also had him and 
Rod, the TSA agent, who's his friend, um, they are both like coming up with these theories. And Rod especially was out there saying, like, these people are hypnotizing you. They're doing that just to make you sex slaves. And they point out, I mean, not necessarily sex slaves, but pretty much uh, in certain cases, um, he is able to perfectly identify like what is going on. And so I like that. I like that they were trying to figure out what's going on and that's playing into the audience. We're also trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I like that a lot more than if they were just completely unaware of everything that's going on. And if they were like uninterested in trying to figure out what was going on, like that to me, I thought was a, a good way to propel the story forward, keep us really connected with Chris, the protagonist, cause you know, we're in the same boat figuring out things at the same time. Um, so yeah, just another like really good set of, uh, setups that he, that Peel was able to put in there. Yeah, like as much as I like all kinds of horror, including like cheap and quote unquote <laughs> bad horror, right. like, you know, a fun time at the drive-in type type movies. I think the best standard of horror comes from a level of competency in the protagonist. Because mm -hmm. when you're watching a horror movie, when you're watching a character that's making all the right choices, but they're just isolated in such a like trapping agent, whether it's a location, mm -hmm. a situation, a character relationship or something like that. When they're trapped beyond all circumstances, despite doing reasonable choices and everything the audience is there with them, to me, that's the most engaging kind of horror because you, you kind of lose yourself when, when somebody makes a bad decision or opens mm -hmm. the wrong door or does something stupid and you can't follow them practically as as a protagonist and i think that's what it is a practical protagonist that is just competent yeah. drives a much much stronger story and that's part of what makes it more interesting all the way to the end like mm -hmm. like you said they were figuring things out but the information was so limited that even though they're putting the pieces together as well as the audience could there's still enough to keep them strung out mm -hmm. and right. that's what worked about it yeah, exactly. I'll take it even farther. It's not even just the right decision. If you're an audience member and you're watching the film, the protagonist is making the same decisions that you would make in that situation. Mm -hmm. And they're still getting stuck in these horror scenarios. They're still stuck here. You identify so much stronger with what's happening. And it's that much scarier because you're thinking even I would be stuck to, with this situation happening. You know, exactly. That's yeah. one of the things that like I like about this movie that I like about the evil dead, like it's it's a very practical protagonist who is trying to get out of the situation but can't like they're doing everything they can and you are right there with them saying there's nothing else he can do, that this character can do I, they did everything i would try to do what else is there to do they're stuck exactly, exactly. Yeah. it's like the thing except instead yes. of the instead of being in antarctica they're you know in this isolated woodland location mm -hmm. with a bunch of people that you can't trust very true very true um, yeah, so just to get into some spoilers now. So if you were like me and haven't seen Get Out yet, <laughs> go and watch it because it's great. Definitely worth your time. Um, but some spoiler-specific stuff. I'm interested in how you guys felt about the Rose reveal, the girlfriend reveal mm -hmm. that she was in on it the whole time and how that was sort of set up. Did you know going into it? Like, were you calling that, oh, she's going to be with in cahoots with the rest of the family? I kept going back and forth on it. Like, in my mind, I was like, I know the family's up to something, but 
it's and it's possible that Rose is also involved, but I'm not quite sure. Like I can't be confident because it seems like she's also very much on Chris's side. And the perspective that we see of Rose is from Chris's perspective, and it's one of like love and passion and and like trust. And so we feel the same way about her. And so it's hard to fully commit to the idea of her being a part of it. So I was never completely sure until they did the reveal. And then when they're having the argument where he's in the living room and he's like like yelling at her to get the keys and stuff Mm -hmm. and they're putting like the pressure on him. And then she does reveal where she has the keys and you find out she's part of it. Bro, Daniel Kaluuya's face. Oh, my God, dude. Like, I feel the pain that he feels like it's such a good like moment of just silent acting where it's like his revelation that. Like he's fucked. Like she's in on it. Something crazy is happening, and he's just fucked. And I loved it. Like I love that bit of acting he does there. Yeah, I think I'm they too. made her just dismissive of all of the concerns throughout the movie enough that you could tell something was off. And if she mm-hmm. wasn't with them, she was going to be a roadblock just because she was mm-hmm. dismissing all of his worries. But. The reveal, I think, was still effective because the way he said, you know, you were kind of flip-flopping back and forth. You weren't sure. It was so well-founded that when they did that reveal and then she has the phone call where she's talking like super mon- – like she's emoting, but her face is super monotone. It, it just was the perfect presentation of her role in, mm-hmm. in the whole scheme. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for me – only because i mean i'd seen us and nope at this point so i know jordan peele is always gonna have some sort of twist like that so i did expect that that was coming but i still think the way that they crafted the reveal and the way that he gave you these misdirects earlier on to ensure that like most audience members especially the first time going into this film Mm -hmm. back in 2017 when you don't really know what peele is capable of you go in and you see the moments like her trying to chew out the cop for asking for the ID when it's unnecessary, her pointing out, like being the one to point out all those like weird racial comments that her family has been making ever since her and Chris showed up. Um, So we see that she's like the one taking initiative and pointing out like, oh, that cop was racially profiling you. Oh, these are weird racist comments that they're pointing out there. Mm -hmm. It's a great job in assuring us and assuring chris that okay yeah she's she's not in cahoots with any of this stuff she's seeing how wacky Mm -hmm. all this stuff is alongside me so she's on my side she's allied with me it punches you in the gut once you realize Mm -hmm. no no she was just luring you here to get your body taken over by some other person yeah ryan after because it's been five years since the movie came out how much of the plot did you know going into it i'm amazed that I knew none of the twists or really like you for knew, sure. I didn't you knew nothing of what it was going to be about them, like taking black people and putting white people in them. The extent of what I know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that Whoa. it was going to be. Like, I thought that would have been like something that got spoiled first. Cause that's like no. just the major plot. And like, that's the thing people talk about the most of how crazy the that idea thing is. that I've known, like the massive cultural imprint that like I've been able to pick up through osmosis is mm-hmm. the sunken place. And yeah. I didn't really even know exactly what that was. You just like heard it before? I remember like Blackish was doing a play on that at one point. And so I knew it had something to do with that and some sort of like, oh, you're getting taken out of your body. You're getting um, removed from like where you are physically. But I did not 
know that they were trying to put white people into black people's bodies. That was crazy. I was like, whoa. And then I also think the, like later on, the whole twist of the groundskeeper and Georgina Mm -hmm. being the grandparents, like being Rose's grandparents, that was insane as well. I did not see that coming either. And that was a great, again, the way they set that up throughout, like having the grandfather, the, I forget what his name was, but the Armitage head of the family losing to the black man at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And then there was a point where uh, Radley Whitford had said the groundskeeper and Georgina, like he hired them so that they could take care of the parents. And then afterwards, oh, he just couldn't bear to let them go, which is a nice little hint at how they got brought on. And then, of course, the groundskeeper practicing the running, which, by the way, there are a few things scarier, I think, than somebody just doing a full on sprint <laughs> straight at you because in no normal circumstance does that ever happen. So when that's yeah. happening, that's like just truly terrifying. Like gives out like this primal fear of, oh my God, someone is about to just tear through me. Um, so that was a great scene there where he's just sprinting right at him. I don't know. That's one moment where I was like, if I were the protagonist, I would have been running as well. I would have been trying to outrun him. But Chris like stayed put as he was just coming right at him. But that playing into it as well of like the, the grandfather who lost to a black man at the Olympics now inhabiting the body of a black man is trying to practice his running so that he could be faster. I'm like, wow, like the way all of that is just sprinkled in and it only clicks in those final moments. Oh, so good. It is very good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you got to experience those reveals as they're happening. I hope, I'm very glad you didn't get spoiled. I was yeah, truly amazed. Lucky. I think maybe once or twice, or maybe I've just been able to be really good at dodging them, but I've heard like conversations of get out, but yeah, amazingly, like no one has dropped any of those big reveals. So yeah, I was able to go into it pretty, uh, like with a clean slate. So that was nice. Nice. Um, one thing I did want to bring up before we start wrapping up our get out conversation. Mm -hmm. So Chris and his mother's death. She got killed by the hit and run. Mm-hmm. And we learned throughout the film that he did nothing initially. Like he was just sitting there watching the TV um, while she was outside. And we learned that she could have possibly been saved if he had acted faster. Um, and then this comes back around later when he hits Georgina as he's trying to escape. She's left on the road and he has the flashback to that. And he's thinking, oh, this is like a chance that I can save someone in need instead of doing nothing. So then he goes and brings her into the car. And then she like wakes up and attacks him. So I want to get your guys' opinion. Because as I was trying to think through this, I came up with an idea that I think maybe is probably what he was going for, Mm -hmm. which I think is brilliant. And I imagine it probably is what he was doing. But did you guys, as you were initially watching through it, did you have an idea or in any of your rewatches, did you have an idea of like why this was included in this film? That like every other thing meticulously planned out has a purpose for being there. Mm-hmm. This one, I couldn't tell if there was like this deeper meaning to it or if it was just a way to like give dimension to the main character by giving him a backstory that was tragic and that would allow for like the psychiatric hypnotism thing mm-hmm. to play out as being like the way that she's, you know, getting mm-hmm. in by having that therapy session. So what did well, you guys think was the deeper meaning behind well, I think- this if you thought there was any? 
Yeah, I think my looking at the script and reading what you wrote, I think my idea is very similar to what your idea is in okay. the idea that he has feels like he has no control in that situation. Specifically, when he was a kid, he didn't get up. He couldn't feel like he could move. He didn't do anything about it. And so his lack of control in that situation is what led to like the Armitage family being able to put him under hypnosis because they were able to use that trauma where he doesn't feel in control to put him out of control. And him saving Georgina is his way of escaping that lack of control and taking agency over his own decisions again. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Because and the thing that connected it was the... The, and they kept focusing on it so much and in the flashback mm -hmm. you see it it's him watching the tv screen yeah and in the sunken place which i also thought initially this is a great way to use like small budget but also use it for narrative purposes the when he's sinking down and he's looking up we just see through like the rectangular box like it's just a screen like it's basically like the film frame just shrunk down mm -hmm. it's them but the way that it appears is it's like he's looking at them through a TV screen. Yeah. Like the entire world is now just kept up in that tiny little TV screen. And that's the only way that he can see it. And the rest of it, he's just like far apart, can't interact, can't hear anything, can't move. So he's lost all control. He's just a passive spectator. Just like when he was sitting there watching the TV, being passive, doing nothing. Mm -hmm. When his mom got the hit and run. And I'm like, that's insane. That's that has to be what it is, and it yeah. him being able to like fight against the Armitage family, family uh, taking all that like action, having all of his agency, and letting loose with it, being able to escape. Like it's a great, great, uh, and pretty, I think, understated at least for me initially. I didn't catch on to it. Um, like character thread to weave in there. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, it plays in with the plot really well with the uh, some of the like greater themes as well of like the sunken place and like not even being in control of your own body and having like literally white people come in and take over and dominate um, and dictate what you do. So, yeah, that that part to me, like having that revelation after thinking about it for a while, it just reassured me of the brilliance of Jordan Peele. Like it's a phenomenal script, absolutely deserving of mm -hmm. the Oscar for sure. It's just so good. Um, okay. I wanted to shout out two other things. The bingo auction scene. How amazing was that? Because it was so mm -hmm. creepy and unsettling. Just, it's just entirely silent. Like, that was a great yeah. choice, too. Because up until that point, like, the white characters in the film have been, like, weird, but, like, in a normal way. Like, it, it's, like, commentary on how white people treat black people, like, white people of this type. And so you're watching, you're like, wow, this is kind of cringeworthy, you know? And then you get to this part, it's kind of a, a a jump to like oh this is this is like crazy weird this is like nobody does this what is happening and it just changes very very dramatically and i think it's very like it's a cool way i like that they're like not talking the entire time the silence adds so much to it because at the same time like if you that you did have them talking and like having it be an actual auction i feel like there's no way to write that without revealing too much having them use dialogue so the idea of using it like silently where he's like doing the hand gestures is just more ominous and also as the idea of keeping the plot as secret as possible. Yeah, absolutely. It was just so good. Such a good scene. Mm -hmm. um, and then the at the end, when he's like right about to escape and Rose comes in and attacks him and he's choking her out and then the police car shows up, you just see the 
like siren lights playing on their faces and mm-hmm. immediately like your heart drops you're like oh no the way that this looks it is not going to end well for him and all of this him being able to escape and get out like reclaiming mm-hmm. all that agency is just going to get taken away again because they're immediately going to assume something that's not the case yeah. and then we get my man from the tsa he comes out which by the way do they have is that like a thing all tsa agents they have their own like police car like i think he took car. it from the airport like i don't i think they stayed okay. at the airport and he probably just took it gotcha because i was like that's they don't take it home but, i don't think but being able to see him come out oh it was so satisfying he was able to come through and save his friend ryan do you know the he alternate left. ending to the movie yeah i was gonna say, say the uh, other version have you mm-hmm. seen it I did not see it. Is it the one where it's actual police officers and he gets taken down? Yeah. Tragic. Yeah, and then the last scene is him in prison in like an orange jumpsuit and he's talking to Rod and Rod's like trying to convince him that they can you know, prove whatever was happening and that they can get out. And Chris just like shakes his head silently and just walks away because he knows that there's just nothing he can do. And it's just such a darker ending than what it is. It Complete is. 180. Yeah, and I kind of like the the current ending as it is, as opposed to that alternate, because that one's like it's poignant and it says stuff in its own way, but it's also just so dark and and like non hopeful in any way, right? Which is the opposite message that I think the film was trying to subconsciously get to, like the idea of being able to break free from your trauma and being able to uh, take agency over your decisions, and like the idea that he he's able to do that all on his own, but then the government just puts him down anyway is you know poignant in its own way but also just so so sad and so depressing that <laughs> very true like, i think either ending technically works i just prefer the hopeful one and i right. think that's why jordan peele picked it i agree having that optimistic bend to it definitely leaves you feeling much better yeah. and you also already got like the feeling you would get from that alternate ending you already get that when the police car shows up which i think was like definitely a very intentional choice like they wanted you to anticipate, oh no, these are the cops showing up. And so you already get that dread where you could like picture in your mind, like yeah, him being in that jumpsuit or even something worse happening. Um, So you already like sort of get that. And then you get to have the happy ending. So I like that we were able to get the happy ending instead of just keeping it with a like very probable, but very depressing route. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, any other final thoughts you guys have on Get Out? Just so well made. Through and through. Mm-hmm. All right. So, out of how many sunken places out of five? I'll let you start off, Hunter. I'd give it four and a half. Four out of five? five? Yeah. I'm going to give it a full five. Five sunken places out of five. There he goes. There he goes. I was uh, going between like a 4.5 and a five, but I think that whole, the, TV screen, the sunken mm-hmm. place, the hit and run, like the way all of that connects, I think it's got to be a five. Like that was Hell just, yeah. it floored me when I was, when that clicked, because that's just so good. It's perfect. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to give that a full five. Okay. So now let's talk about us. We're not going to talk about it too much because none of us rewatched it. So we're all going <laughs> off of what we remembered from 2019. Fun fact though. This was one of the first films we ever reviewed when we started the show, back when we were a radio show called Box Office Breakdown, before yes, we sir. began the podcast. Has your we upload- changed? 
well, since we haven't rewatched it, I don't know. But I am interested to see because Dylan, yeah, as I said, you saw it before me. Then we did the review on our show, and mm-hmm. you were raving about it. I remember distinctly you saying that your jaw dropped in the theater at the twist. That's true. The first time you said you had ever physically had your jaw drop. My jaw dropped also during Nope, and we'll get there. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, you you said that. And that made me super interested. So I went out and saw it because of you. Um, and you were, you give a glowing review of it. So I'm interested to see now, thinking back on it, how do you feel about it? Because you had said, I looked through our old scripts because we have them. And your ranking, mm-hmm. do you want to guess what rating you gave it? Did I give it a three and a half? You gave it a five out of five. Whoa. And you said, you said, it probably has, yeah. Yeah. You said, and I quote, when I asked, is it better than Get Out? You said, I would not say I liked it more than Get Out, but also say I liked, I would not say that I liked Get Out more. I like both films equally. Is that a true statement now, three years later? It is not. Now (laughs) it is definitely Get Out far superior than us. I feel like the problem with us as the thing that like got me caught up in it when i first watched it was it's so intensely stylistic like much more than get out was Mm -hmm. that it was i'm a very stylistic kind of person that was very enticing especially on the first few watches but the more i've seen it because i've seen it a couple times over the years now uh i get bogged down by a lot of the plot and like what it's supposed to mean and everything and i think that there's a good foundation to what the plot is trying to do but i don't think I'm just so used to Get Out, which is just so well thought out and so well constructed that Us doesn't meet that standard quite as much. And it just seems like a very high concept, cool idea that doesn't have a lot of logical follow through on how it's structured or what it means and what it's trying to accomplish. So I would probably give it either three and a half or a four now, as opposed to a five then. I feel like this guy just like took my notes because that is (laughs) that's basically that's exactly how I felt. Because when I first watched it, I actually rated it higher than Get Out. Because mm-hmm. I'm a really stylistic guy too. Hell yeah. And I feel like with that movie, it was a little less direct. And for lack of a better comparison, it was a little more Lynch. Where it mm-hmm. wasn't exactly like founded on on, on an, like a direct logical background. It was just more of a, an impression of emotions. Mm-hmm. It was more of an impression rather than being a straight up story. And the more I watched it over time, the less hooked I was on the visuals and how original Mm -hmm. the costumes and everything was. And I started like, it started losing me. It's grip started to slip a little bit. I still love it. I think it's great, Mm -hmm. but it's gone down to just below get out for me because of that. Yeah. There's not enough like, um, like, there's not enough stylism and like attempts to make it an emotional showcase to make up for the lack of a super logical tight plot. Like he tries to like balance the two and it doesn't work out quite as well. There's just enough plot to where I want there to be more. And there is not enough plot to where it makes perfect sense. And so the stylism doesn't quite make up for that, but still I think there are parts of it that I think are fantastic. I think the initial reveal of the family is really good. I think the the tango, the ballet dance, I should say, actually, the ballet that she does with herself, I think is really well done. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I think 
I think the idea is good. I just feel like it needed because this came out really rushed right after Get Out. Like, I feel like as soon as I saw Get Out, well, I did see it a year after it came out. But as soon as I saw Get Out, there were already stuff for us and start already news and stuff. So I feel like he didn't have as much time to fully craft out this idea as he did with Get Out. Because Get Out, he spent years working on that script and ironing out something as perfect as like as best as he could. And it was flawless. But us, I feel like it was an, a really good idea that he didn't fully flesh out perfectly. So it didn't hit the nail on the head quite as well as Get Out did, especially with that theme of like upper class, lower class kind of thing being tied into it, as well as the themes of race, which aren't as strong in this one, but still present. I feel like it definitely needed just more practice and more work. It had to be because of time, because it yeah. was a really close gap between them, whereas he had mm-hmm. all the free time he needed to get Get Out. Yeah. Right? But it was, what, a two-year gap of releases mm-hmm. between uh, Get Out and Us? To or write, direct, and edit this movie, yeah. They hopped right on that. And it was so high concept, mm-hmm. like even more so yeah. than Get Out. So much that I guess he couldn't tie all the loose ends. Yeah. When you're doing something high concept, it's hard to do in such a short period of time because you got to really mm-hmm. think about it, make sure all those plot holes are sealed as tightly as possible. Yeah. And under scrutiny, it definitely doesn't hold up. Like the whole premise of it, and the tethers like there's a lot of mm-hmm. lingering questions that you really can't answer yeah. um so that that's unfortunate one major part a very spoilery part with uh the film the twist itself that made you drop your jaw yeah how do you feel about it now so many years removed from it the i feel twist, kind of embarrassed you feel embarrassed that you didn't <laughs> see it coming that i didn't see it coming because i've talked to so many people and they're all like yeah we saw that coming a mile away and i feel like just i just feel like a fucking idiot like Dude, for not seeing yeah. it because i like watch it and i because if you don't see that twist coming it is mind-blowing like even with a sort of messy plot that twist if you don't see it coming almost makes up for it that's why i loved it so much the first time is because it got me on that twist but watching it back knowing that the twist is coming i'm like the setup the reason I don't think I got it was because it is like fairly obvious when you look at it in a grand scheme of things, but it's not as set up as the twists in Get Out. Whereas Get Out is like you can't predict where it's going, but the setup is there. Like if it's like missing that one little clue to put everything together, but everything is there. You just need to see it from a different perspective. Whereas Get Out, it's like he's intentionally not telling me some things, but then kind of telling me one big thing that is like going to reveal it all, but he just refuses to tell me anything to that would seal that crack. But yeah, I was the only one that didn't get it and I feel kind of stupid for it. But yeah, I, I still, you know, my jaw dropped during that twist for sure. I think you shouldn't feel ashamed if you didn't pick up on the twist because you saw it. I mean, certainly there's a thrill in being able to like predict something and then seeing it play out and you're like, nice, I'm smart. I was able to predict that for sure, but it can be, also so much satisfying to have like an actual physical reaction where your jaw drops because you were so invested in it in the story as it was playing out that you weren't trying to like predict where it's going to go and then you were stunned by where mm-hmm. it ended up like that can be great too um that's also me saving face for the fact that i also didn't predict it <laughs> so i was also hey. stunned. my jaw didn't drop but yeah. i was like wow that's a crazy twist i remember though yeah uh that on thinking about it more i don't know how much i like the twist because my impression of it was that she didn't know she didn't even know but apparently the overwhelming consensus is that she did know the whole time that she she definitely did had switched 
And that to me, I like less. I think yeah. thematically it would have played a lot better if like she had also like just repressed this memory, never even remembered. It. And then now when she's confronting like this, like again, this, this uh, wicked doppelganger did. version of herself, and it turns out to be the quote unquote real version of herself. Like, I think that would have just played a lot better with the themes yeah. that he was sort of trying to tackle with like doppelgangers and the, as you said, the upper class, lower class and how environment plays a role in shaping all of that. So yeah, I, I don't know the twist on thinking back the mm-hmm. way that it was portrayed. Yeah. The way that that ended up like undercutting some of the things that they were going for. And then, as you said, like all the ways, all the other ways that the logic doesn't really pan out for i think he was focusing so much on the themes that he didn't spend enough time on that really high concept idea of this entire civilization underground that is that everybody has a doppelganger of like it's like maybe like a two minute conversation in the movie about like where that came from and it's like this is like an incredibly complicated idea and there's been no like building up to it and there's been no answers until this two minute scene and then you don't really talk about it after the two minute scene that you're not really explaining it fully and so it's still just like i have so many questions and unlike get out none of them are being answered it's just focusing solely on the themes that you're trying to explore like how do how do the how do the tethers have kids how do those kids become identical versions of the kids up top how are how are they tethered i mean you can the, the how are they tethered is the only thing you can skate by and be like, this is high concept, you know, just understand that they're tethered. Here's all the answers to everything else, though, based on the fact that they are tethered to these twins. How does this like, it's just, it's very confusing. Right. Okay. So for the ratings, how many tethers out of five? Probably three and a half, honestly. Yeah, I'm going three and a half. Gotcha. I don't really know. Because again, I haven't rewatched it at all since I first yeah. saw it that one time. I did put it on my best, uh, like my favorite top 10 films of 2019. I'd give uh, it Oh, really? Yeah. So I put down there. I think I gave it a four, if I can remember correctly. Yeah. So I'll just keep it at what I gave it. I don't think I'd change it really. But yeah, a four. I, I think I might have put it on my top 10 of 2019. We can always, we can always go back. You I think it was on honorable mentions. mentions because 2019 was pretty stacked, bro. Parasite, but you gave it a five out of five, so that was crazy. Yeah. So even by the end of that year, you had already, I guess. I think I had seen it like it twice after because I saw it the one time in theaters. Then we recorded the show, and then I saw it a second time in theaters, and then I bought the DVD and watched it again at home. So by the time we had between that like review of us, and by the time we had come back and actually done our top ten of the year, it had definitely fallen from grace mm-hmm. in my heart. Yeah, she said. Okay, well, let's talk about Jordan Peele's newest film. Nope. Finally. So here we go. We're going to get all up into the spoilers about this one. So if you haven't seen it yet, go out and watch it. Mm-hmm. And then come back and listen to our thoughts. So the three of us, we all saw it. Although Dylan did not see a very crucial piece of it. Very sad. sad I know what very, happens, A though. very crucial piece. Yeah. I know what happens, and I know how it ties into the theme, so... Okay, we can still talk about it. And I will go back probably sometime this week and watch the whole thing. Gotcha. So yeah, what are your overall impressions with this? I loved it. I thought it was Whoa. really good. I really liked I, it too. I had such a good time. And it might change in the future, like us did, because this was also very high concept, very highly stylistic, but it was definitely toned down from us. So I feel like 
my opinion will stay true for a while now because I'm I had tempered expectations because of us and I was going in sort of half cocked and like not super prepared. But it definitely took me by surprise. Definitely had a good twist in it that I didn't see coming and definitely carried in not only combining very high stylistic, high concept idea with a well thought out plot with good themes and the balance is coming back to how good Get Out was in terms of balance, which I, I appreciated a lot. So I liked it. I thought. What about you, Hunter? I think he's spot on. Uh, the thing is, it felt in a way, like you said, kind of like a return to form to get mm-hmm. out. It was a lot tighter than us. I don't think it was as tight as Get Out was. I, it was a little messier, but it wasn't as messy as us. It was this this sure. middle ground of his mm-hmm. movies. I personally really loved it. I might put it up as being my favorite Jordan Peele. I'll have to watch it again really? just wow. to test that. But I, I, I like that it he's starting to find kind of a plateau between that technical craft that he had mm-hmm. to get out and playing around like he did with us. Yeah, I agree completely. Gotcha. I you feel like it's the Gordy scene, so you can't oh. even. <laughs> as soon as, as soon as the movie started and it showed that little opening scene of the Gordy set, and it's just like, I can see that it's a sitcom. I can see that there's a body on the floor and there's blood everywhere. And I can see that there's a mm-hmm. chimp. So I can, the the pieces are there and I know exactly what has pretty much happened. And I'm like, God, I, I really want to see this scene actually play out. I want to feel the tension building up to that scene. So I hope they go back in a flashback. And then they do the Steven Ewan part where it flashes back briefly. And, and I'm like, oh, they're totally going to do it. They're totally going to go back and, and show this scene. And I can't wait to watch it. Mm-hmm. And then I got up and left. And as <laughs> soon as I sat down, scene, yeah. as soon as I sat down, I asked Alexa what I missed. And she was like, oh, they showed the Gordy scene. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. The one, the one scene I wanted to see. It oh, wasn't much longer God. than the one at the opening. Like it didn't show too much more. Yeah. You, like I'm sure you could put the pieces together from what you did get outside of that one scene that you missed. Sure. It but was crazy it, doing. It was an experience. Mm-hmm. The chimp picked up a machine gun. Bro. He had a machine gun. He was just shooting everyone down. It was crazy. That's insane. I didn't see it coming at all, man. Yeah. I, I, so poignant, though. It is really, really important for the plot. It really right. ties when, in really well. When it opened up with that Gordy scene, for a quick second, I thought to myself, I'm like, one, is this the wrong movie? And then I thought, no, no, no way. This is definitely it. Maybe it's a new Monkey Paw Studios like animation yeah, for yeah. Like, the company at the start. Because then it just cuts away after that brief shot. Mm-hmm. Talk about a jarring introduction. Yeah. That's how I felt about the very beginning when it has the actual new monkey paw mm-hmm. uh, animation and it's the train. And I was like, is this bullet train? And then I realized that that movie hadn't even come out yet. And I was like, no, what is this? And then it showed the logo and I was like, God damn it. I really thought I had walked into the wrong theater. I felt the same way, Dylan. I was very stunned by that. I was like, what's going on? Because it goes so long on just like the train thing. Yeah, and it looks looks like Bullet Train. (laughs) It looked like Bullet Train. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that was awesome. I don't know if I love it quite as much as you guys did. It's great to hear that you were all very fond of it. Well, you're a big Uh, theme guy. Good theater experience for me. Oh, I'm glad. Mine was very quiet. Second act was insane in the Mm -hmm. theater. I really. The Gordy scene, Dylan, you you gotta oh. see it. Um, I'm gonna but that, go. that followed immediately with the uh, the abduction scene of the uh, Stephen Young 
Jupiter's claim it's show so good. was such a good sequence. And that's why I say the second act is like where all the horror is, and then the third act's just the dramatic payoff. Yeah, but the for second sure. act was something else. Oh man, I'm gonna go sometime this weekend because my roommate hasn't seen it yet, so we're gonna go together. I can't wait. It's, I just had so much fun watching the parts I did see, which was pretty much the whole movie. I just <laughs> thought it was all just very well done, start to start, start to end. And I understand why you don't like it as much, Ryan, because you are a big theme kind of guy and trying yeah, to tie into a larger that. theme. <laughs> and this movie certainly does not have a lot of strong themes. Yeah, it has very subtle ones, and it does tie into those subtle themes very well. But it's mostly just about a group of people interacting with an alien, like yeah, right, and trying to be a very high concept sci fi kind of thing. So Which, yeah, that's why we it like sure. it. We we like the the perfect balance of that stylism and realism kind of thing that he's going for, but it's definitely lacking a larger theme that it can overall connect to outside of like working with dangerous animals and like respecting dangerous animals and things like that. That seems to be one of the bigger criticisms I've seen of the movie. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few people mention how the theme extends to greed and media, but uh, it's not as heavy. No, it's too hard to make that connection. All right. right. So, yeah, I thought, uh, as you pointed out, yeah, the themes not being as strong uh, is one element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because Get Out as well. And it's even just us, so powerful. Yeah, they're like so um, like strong. Everything is tying into that. Get Out, clearly, like it's hard not to <laughs> come away with what was being said there um and us even though it is a little bit more messy on the plot wise like you can still gather what he's trying to say like what sort of social commentary is going on with that film with this one he definitely wanted to lean more into just making it this like fun blockbuster Mm -hmm. sci-fi sort of film which i can get down with like i enjoyed that a lot for sure um and so the themes are not as like in your face not as obvious which can be fine i just think it was also partially that because it's not getting talked about as much there's not as much invested into it it just felt like there was a lot less to take away from it in terms of themes and i think part of that is because like again he wanted to focus on like just crafting that nice blockbuster like giving you this big spectacle uh but then that also means like there's not as much substance to hook onto to talk about. And also the themes of this film, I don't think are nearly as like intriguing or complex as the ones he was exploring in previous films, which I mean, it's just part of the nature of the game. Sometimes the like themes you explore are going to be really timely and really hot. Other times it's not going to be as significant. Um, So I think that's partially why like with the themes and whatnot, because there wasn't this like, big deeper thing to come away with um it definitely doesn't Mm. meet the levels of get out for me for sure yeah for sure Um, but let's talk about some of those themes so clearly spectacle is one i mean they mentioned that a lot it was definitely a sort of named theme they were going for Mm -hmm. Uh, and then also using like animals dangerous animals in particular going the links for entertainment and for profit that was certainly another major theme that they have there um, with which the Gordy chimp, he and that mm. scene played into it a lot. Um, so what do you guys think of these themes, the ways that they were being explored in the film? 
was this something that like as you were watching it you were conscious of oh this is what he's going for or were you more focused on like just the mystery of figuring out what this thing is and rooting for the characters to Mm -hmm. snap a picture of it i was definitely conscious of the idea of animals on sets and like the danger of animals on sets from the get-go because you have the the opening shot of the chimp and the set and obviously something terrible has happened with that chimp and then you flash forward a few scenes later and we know by now that uh oj is an animal trainer for hollywood sets and specifically he trains horses and he has a scene where he is trying to keep people being safe around this horse and they aren't listening to him because he's a very shy and reserved individual and the horse loses its uh, cool and kicks a bag of sand or something and almost hurts people and he gets fired because of it because the animal is too dangerous and they bring in the cgi horse which i think is really funny in the shot where like the guy's telling what's not happening and then the cgi horse is what like they're marching it in i think that's hilarious but uh i was very present of that idea but i was like how is this going to tie into the ufo i had no idea in any way until we get to that abduction scene and they're getting pulled in and it's just like eating them. And I was like, what is this? I have Mm -hmm. no idea what's happening. And then it flies over and it dumps their bodies and blood all over the house. And then there's finally that connection of like, it's not a spaceship. It's just, it is an alien. Like the whole thing is an alien. And we just think it's a spaceship because it's spaceship shaped. I think that's really cool. I I like that payoff a lot. Yeah, I do too, for sure. That's super cool. Um, And then, yeah, that plays into the idea of this is, a huge spectacle but it's also a very dangerous thing and they're mm-hmm. chasing it they're trying to get a picture of it yeah um and then with the variety of the characters like having that cinematographer dude as well like the lengths he'll go to for the perfect shot um just speaking to the idea of these things that consume us so again i think it's like it's a solid theme to explore but i just don't know if there's that much like to take away from it and to talk about well i like comparing it feels pretty like clear yeah jump of like yeah it's bad to get caught up into this so much and like try and commodify this stuff but then we also follow these characters that Mm. are trying to do that and risking their lives in order to get this and we're rooting for them because we like them and we want them to like succeed in that mission Mm -hmm. um and then they do succeed in it which is a great way that they were able to pay that off the little the winking well thing um Mm -hmm. but then the creature just dies as well at the end of it so we get the pictures that'll be great so they'll be able to profit and make a name for themselves um Mm -hmm. in the way that their like ancestor wasn't able to uh when he was in the first image of like the horse uh galloping so that's great but then yeah the alien just dies and Mm -hmm. it's not like i mean i don't know i don't know what that was supposed to say if we're going to this theme of like all these really dangerous things that we're utilizing for entertainment or for profit um and then we don't try to understand that alien or yeah not that there's i mean there could be no way to understand it and certainly it is dangerous like there's anything that needs to go a massive flying entity that consumes dozens of people in one go i mean yeah it seems like something that is very can say, get rid of yeah. that but yeah it just seems odd um to like make that comparison between that UFO and the chimp and like the horses just because they are like pretty dang different. And then again, we are rooting for us to like get that picture of the alien. So I don't know. It was a little clunky there. What do you guys think about that? I didn't. What is your, sorry. No, you go ahead under. What is your take on the, like the seemingly 
popular theory that is being amassed. The breakdown of it being like the American dream through American media. Like the point of their desperation to get the perfect image is the same as Stephen Young's Gordy profiteering off of the the trauma of that. And then the cinematographer dying for the shot, all that stuff. And then the paparazzi guy that shows up from like TMZ. It's like, it's not as established as the get out and us themes, but that seems to be one of the more common breakdowns I've been seeing in the movie. And I can get that too. But what do you think? Uh, For me, I think that might be a bit of a stretch. Like it's a good reading on it, but I think it's less about like the American dream and more, I think like, yeah, this obsession with crazy spectacle and events Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and then just mining that endlessly for more content and more views and more revenue and all that. That's what I figured too. Um, Well, that's like kind of the new quote unquote American dream is that media attention is I think what people are trying to pull from it. Maybe. I mean, yeah, they have OJ. OJ as the name of the main character. Yeah. Like if this film, had he been writing it recently, I mean, he would have called the main characters Johnny and Amber because, I mean, yeah, that's how it would play out. It's just we latch onto these huge spectacle manias Mm. um, and then it consumes us for a while and we move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's mostly what he's going for there. Like with the the TMZ dude that shows up, which is pretty funny, yeah. which could have been like switched out for like a content creator or someone, a TikToker who's coming in and trying to mm-hmm. like, get a TikTok in the abandoned uh, West world thing, whatever it was called. What was it? The Jupe, Jupe's Jupiter's, Jupiter's claim. claim. There you go. Yeah. His, his name was Jupe. Yeah. Um, I do think the most fascinating dimension to that theme would be the mm. Stephen Yun's character. Yeah, where for sure. yeah, he suffers this horrible tragedy, and then he's now trying to capitalize on it in a way. Like mostly, he's doing the like other show that he had, but he had in his room, like this hidden room of memorabilia from the Gordy's home set. So, and he said, usually I charge for this, like getting getting to go into that room. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting layers to that character and speaking to, like, leveraging your drama in order to make a profit in some way. Yeah. But, I mean, he was a side character, and so we didn't get too much exploration into that. Um, Mm. I love love the, uh, yeah, I do love the scene where he's, like, describing the fake Saturday Night Live skit, and he's, like, like, describing this hilarious thing about this event that wasn't so serious. And then it cuts to him as a child watching it. And he's just so fearful and traumatized that, like, there is that disconnect between the two. And I really like the the disjoint that they're trying to do there. But with the mm-hmm. themes of, like, the animals, I feel like it's not as powerful a theme to take away as something like Get Out or, like, what Us tried to do. Because that's something you could sit on, you can ponder, and you can think about it for a long time and then come back and revisit it a lot. But I think the theme of like how we view animals and how we treat animals in terms of using them as spectacle because they are the unknown, the different. I feel like that works within the film, but it's not something you can take away as strongly as something else. But it does work when you are watching it in the moment. I feel experiencing like, it. I feel like the animals are more of just a plot device for that profit off of trauma, though, for Stephen mm-hmm. Young and OJ. Like... Even though it's more, it's more of a major aspect of the immediate plot. Mm-hmm. 
my assumption, I could be way off with this, is just knowing how how Peel tends to like intertwine those get out and us themes, even though the animals are the direct plot element that we're seeing, I feel like the damage that's done and getting those shots is what's being taken from it. Yeah. To me, what I took away from it was like, I didn't see the Gordy scene, but I read a bunch about it and I watched a couple of YouTube videos describing like what kind of happens and like what it's about. And so what I gather is the monkey goes crazy and then he sees Steven Yoon's character and goes up and he gives him a fist bump and then the monkey gets shot, right? Mm-hmm. So my impression of that is like, uh, Jupe is watching these horrible things happen with this chimp, but it's still like this kind of character that was his friend. Because there's a deleted scene in it where he was supposed to go up and give the like the chimp a fist bump, or they were. It was the it was the, the, the opening the VHS yeah the opening, opening. Of, the VHS yeah. opening of like Gory's home, and you could see him giving the fist bump that his character does with the chimp all the time. Mm-hmm. And so like the fist bump is like the symbol of friendship between the two of them. And like my takeaway is that even though he's witnessing this horrific thing happening, his trauma is overcome by this uh, like sheer respect for the spectacle of this creature and what it's capable of doing and so that clouds his judgment with the alien and he sees this grand thing that he's blown away by and he wants to share it and profit off of it because he knows how wonderful spectacle it is that he doesn't take in consideration any safety concerns he just goes for it and then you compare that with oj's character who's been you know raised around horses his entire life he's been raised in how to treat them how to train them how to be around them so he's much more reserved, not only in his character, but in how he like treats these wild, unknown things. And so he's able to come at the alien with the perspective of we need to be careful. Every creature has its own set of rules. We have to follow those rules in order to get it out so we can get a picture of it. And for better or for worse, his plan works. It just goes off the rails when the cinematographer is willing to risk his own life for the spectacle of getting that perfect shot, which I is not my favorite part of the movie. I think it's a little far-fetched and out there. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm just like, you risked your life for it and then you died and also the photograph is gone forever so it was for nothing. Like if they yeah. had mm-hmm. if they had that perfect shot at the end of it but he was still gone, I'd be like, damn, at least it was worth it. But he just died and the camera's gone and there's nothing for, for it. Well, but and would it have it. been worth it? I think would have been like a thing they're exploring there because it wouldn't have been. Um, but then also, but yeah. It's just like was... you can't question whether it was worth it or not because it's obviously not worth it because he's dead and the footage is gone. But if you had the footage back, you could question whether it was worth it. Yeah, or there not. could be a conversation about it at least. Yeah. Whereas this way, it just feels kind of like this random thing that happens with no foundation and then passes. Yeah, and right. it also propels the plot of like everything going wrong with the plan. And it's mm-hmm. like, I just feel like if instead of ending with that Jupiter's claim well being the thing that gets the photo, like as cool as that sequence was, if they had ended it with like this dude goes out there and tries to get the perfect shot and then they like develop the footage and the initial shot was really bad and cloudy and whatnot, but his perfect shot worked really great and he sacrificed himself to get it. I thought that'd be kind of cool. Like, like, and then you can question like, was it worth it that he did that? Was it, he like got the dream he was going for and it was the perfect shot of this alien. Is it worth it? Is it, you know, I just felt like it would have been better. Perhaps at least working within that plot of like, what is, worth the risk right uh yeah i was pretty soft on that that whole like cinematographer coming in and only yeah. wanting to get that impossible shot and then risking everything to do it uh as it wasn't said, the perfect thing it, it was like partially fitting with the theme and whatnot yeah. but it felt far-fetched and it was primarily just to bring the alien back yeah um super so cool character to... though super great performance yeah. dude just what a voice. weird payoff yeah, yeah dude, i agree as, 
the amount of Black gravel in that man's either. throat. <laughs> Insane. Um, so yeah, the uh, the other thing. Well, so Dylan, what was the thing that made your jaw drop? Oh yeah, at the very end when because they're doing all this stuff with the alien, you're getting some great shots of it finally, where you see the whole thing in its body, and it starts to ripple, and you're like, "What is that?" Like I know it's an alien, but it's still like the shape of a ship. And when it starts unraveling and turning into that butterfly thing, I was just like, what the fuck? I was just blown away at the creativity of like how amazing this concept is of this thing that was the shape of an alien. And then also when it like it it what it, it like changed into an alien and then it tries to go. Oh, it, it sucks up the thing, right? It sucks up the big balloon jupe and then turns back into a yeah. spaceship briefly. Watching it change back into a spaceship so that it can go fast again. I was like, man, this is just. It's just blowing my mind, like, because that whole idea of it is not a spaceship, it's a creature is already a big jump, but then to take it farther and, like, come up with that concept of the design of it is just brilliant. And so I just dropped, my jaw just dropped because of the, the tension that was happening in the theater and everything to do with the design of that creature was perfect. I thought I yeah. lost all intimidation once it changed designs into the, like, butterfly thing. I, I do but agree, But I, yes. I wasn't upset about it because mm -hmm. I was so, like you said, the creativity behind the design I was so impressed and just enjoying what I was watching visually mm. that even though the tone shifted with that change, it was interesting in a different way. I think it's interesting the idea that it loses its intimidation because it is scary as a spaceship because it's hurling around this giant object and it has so much weight to it and so much. We've already seen it like terrorize in this form and then it changes and it becomes something very enticing to look at and very enticing to approach that almost works to its advantage as an animal is it's trying to consume things and it has like the flashing green flares that it's going through is very much like a force that you want to look at for some reason the rule with it is that you have to look at it for it to want to eat you i don't know why they don't explain that i don't well, think, I think they so that was another thing i was trying to figure out was why yeah. is it doing the like flaring thing i took it more as like uh a territorial intimidation thing that's what i was thinking you know how like animals will puff themselves up like yeah, really exactly. huge i think yeah. it had because it got injured from the barbed wire when the mm -hmm. dude like wrapped it around him and then he tried to get eaten so i think he got hurt and then now he feels threatened and then so the yeah. alien puffs up to it's like big form to try and scare them uh, i think that's which possibly i thought like the flashing light was it getting it to try to look at you because they set up like if you don't look at it it won't eat you so i feel like it flashing lights is trying to get you to look at it but it's i don't think it's like a rule though like it can only eat you if you're looking at it i think it's, just, I think it's more animalistic yeah well i i think all right being kind of like within theme with the animal i that's why i took it as it being like a an intimidation display mm -hmm. but so like if you look at it it'll feel threatened kind of like the horse did yeah yeah like the, the eye contact stressed it out and made it feel threatened okay i mm -hmm. could i could see that as uh probably a stronger probably true correct statement yeah, I think I that's like, what it is. I feel like something that we have to touch on is just the incredible relationship between Jordan Peele and Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, uh, yeah. That those two together are just magic. I love it. They have such sure, a strong yeah. working relationship. They, uh, that was great. And then adding the Kiki Palmer yeah, into, the, having, into the, the field was just such a strong addition. They were just brilliant. Yeah, their dynamic was so good. I really oh, yeah. enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, they were great. And then, yeah, just to go off of what you were saying before about like seeing the, the big transformation of that alien and it turns into the huge like parachute wind sail thing where it's just flapping around. Like it was 
so mesmerizing and like just awe-inspiring um which is interesting and i think that is probably the choice he was making was to make it a little less intimidating um in the way that we've seen it and make it more of like somewhat a spectacle, of a spectacle but also yeah. something of a beautiful like thing that we are amazed by but also trying to take advantage of it trying to avoid getting eaten by it um like playing that in with i guess animals in a way where we do have that fascination we find a lot of animals really cute that can really do a big number of otters. damage on us yeah so what'd you say otters <laughs> otters otters they're very cute people, they kill dogs they can kill you. yeah they're crazy so yeah i think that might be something he was going for there but uh who knows but it certainly was just amazing to see on the big screen for sure um mm. okay so as we wrap up are there any other things you want to shout out about this film uh i guess angel is the one thing we didn't really talk about i think he was just there for comedic relief and he didn't really do much and you know yeah it's nice to have a little break from the horror and the thrillerness of it to have that comedic relief but i wish he had tied in a little better in the same way i feel like i wish like he was trying to tie in the cinematographer dude better but it didn't land i wish him and angel had both had better stronger roles in the film like steven yoon and daniel kaluuya and kiki palmer did that's just the only that's like the biggest flaw i have also i thought the tmz bit was a little cheesy it like took yeah. away from the seriousness of that scene but you know it is what it is i agree with that especially the tmz thing but by the time the tmz guy showed up it felt less like i said especially with the transformation the design that whole act felt like it was a little less tense so yeah. i I let, I let it slide mm-hmm. understandable gotcha uh yeah i think with the characters the angel tech dude i really didn't like him that much yeah at all. he didn't work for me that. uh and then the cinematographer same point as you had dylan like i i can sort of see where he was going with it but for the most part it just felt mm-hmm. like i don't know like you could see like okay this character is put getting put in here for these specific reasons and it didn't yeah. have that like flesh and dimension around it that oj and um emerald had so yeah those two girls weren't that great mm-hmm. i did like the tmz bit i think the way that they were playing it up for comedy during it i didn't like but the narrative inclusion of a tmz-esque person that's coming in i think it's yeah. interesting both thematically and yeah for the plot it, it, it like endangers them trying to get the first shot of this creature because what if that tmz dude does it and then yeah. please so i think it did provide some nice stakes yeah, and also oh, that mean. dude just he just wouldn't give up. Even after he had broken all the bones in his body and was about <laughs> to get sucked up by an alien, he just wanted his camera to get the shot. Oh, in the same way that the cinematographer dude wanted the perfect shot. And I was like, both of them need to tone down this hyper realistic image of a person who really wants the perfect shot. Nobody's gonna do that when they're about to get sucked up by a, a giant alien thing. Right. It's not he's just kinda took me out of it for sure. Mm-hmm. I do then- one last thing is comparing it comparing the trailer to the final film i feel like the trailer was really really well done because there was just yeah. so many things in it that threw me off i had no idea what i was expecting and all the things i thought were going to pay off in a certain way did not like it was perfect like setup and then twist like the idea of like the shots of the little kids and you think they're aliens mm-hmm. and not only was that very scary because it was very well mm-hmm. done but the For payoff sure. of them just being kids was hilarious 
the shots of the little toys they have at Jupiter's claim that are the aliens. You think those are what the aliens are going to be, but it's just Jupe's like imagination creating things to sell. And then like the Joe Beth who has the messed up face from the chimp. You think she's an alien, but she's just a woman with a really messed up face. Like there's just so much setup that gets paid off in a much different way. And I really like that. Yeah. With the trailer. Mary Jo, Mary Jo Beth or whatever yeah. her name was. That yeah. was not at all what I expected no. that character to be from the first trailer. I thought she was an alien. Like I thought they were going to be like <laughs> people who like, I thought they were going to be like changing people into aliens throughout the film. And that's not just not what it was at all. She was just a woman who got her face beaten up by a chimp, which yeah. is, I, it makes sense. You're right. The marketing on that first trailer was definitely super yeah. good. Phenomenal. Um, and then the other things I wanted to highlight about it, you just got some great, narrative and visual concepts like the mm. idea of the ufo actually being an alien is super cool and then of course oh, the transformations yeah. later on so creative uh so that was great to see watching also, the alien dart between the clouds like a mm -hmm. predator was awesome it was and every then, time it was up there flying it was very ominous and threatening yeah and then the other visual things he does like having the party banner thing the string thing mm -hmm. um that is coming out of the alien so you're able to like spot it um, that was a great just visual motif to have and then it comes into play plot wise later which is super cool and then having kind the like jaws yeah exactly yeah and then the wacky wavy inflatable tube men having that is just a very smart idea um at the very end to have that as like the crux of the final set piece being able to mm -hmm. spot where he is or the it is the alien yeah um, kind of goes so to yeah. the practical the practical protagonist idea exactly. that jordan peele always goes with mm -hmm. For sure. So yeah, super cool stuff. All right. So out of how many one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eaters out of five? I'm gonna give, give it a four. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four and a half. One-eyed, one-horned, flying Ooh. purple people eaters. I really liked that. it. It's just the the lack of a firmly solid theme and the lack of some of those characters tying into any theme whatsoever just kind of took it down a little bit. But overall, mm. just the theater experience. The visual experience and the high concept just blew my mind. Loved it. Nice. I'm I giving think, it. Yeah. I will give it a three point five. Wow. But yeah. What so you, you liked say, it huh? less than us. Uh. Well, again, I'm leaving us at just what I gave it originally. Um, okay. Because I don't think my opinions have changed that much. So yeah, I'll just say four for us, and then yeah, three point five for this. I think you should rewatch both. Fair. And come back next week. <laughs> I think should we come should rewatch all of again. them. Yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah, after the show for Jordan Peele, we all rewatch the. I might watch we Get Out see. later today because talking about Get Out, maybe really want to watch it again. Same. Go here. for it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that is all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show or make a suggestion for the movie of the week, you can email us at theboxofficeshow at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. We also wanted to give a special shout out to Hunter Romanillos for coming out today. Thank you so much for joining us Ooh, on this conversation. You. I'm Just always here to talk about horror movies. Love talking movies. We'll definitely hit you up when October rolls around. Try and get a Halloween special and make Ryan watch some classic horror movies that he doesn't want to see. Try and get oh, him to watch oh. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 74? I mean, I said I'd watch it. I'd watch yeah, it. sir. Oh, yeah. I got him to watch Black Christmas last year. Oh, oh the original. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. He only kind of liked it, but I got him to watch it. It's I an important it. movie. It's I was not just... anyone's favorite typically, but it's a oh. very important one. 
Yeah, it's I mean, my I enjoyed favorite. it. I was just very tired that day as well. So oh, you were. That's right. It was a bad like experience too. We also started watching. at like ten thirty or eleven or something. Exactly. <laughs> it's very late. All right. Thank you so much for coming out. We'll see you all next week. Adios. Yeah.